1: hello and welcome back to we made a beer my name's louise my name's lucy and this is we made a beer the podcast in which we two beer novices find out about beer by brewing it drinking it and chatting to the experts about it this is season two which means we're going big and we're brewing much better beers now, hold up.
2: Before we go proclaiming that we'll be making better beer, I think we need to get a little bit more of a handle on what actually makes one beer better than another. Until this point, we've been going around tasting beers and analysing them largely using the words yum, yuck, or meh. Or bleh, or In worst case scenarios. <laughs> we probably need to start putting more of an objective spin on things. In this episode, we meet Rob Lovett, head brewer at Thornbridge Brewery, who explains why it's important for them to brew consistent and innovative beers.
3: We could get by just producing Jaipur like we always did, but I think people would lose interest in in what we're doing. Um, And also, we love it, you know, making new beers all the time. It's fantastic
4: for the brewers.
1: The Thinking Drinkers teach us how to use all our senses when tasting beer.
4: If you stick your finger up your nose as far as it can go and then go even further, you can apparently touch what is technically part of your brain.
2: And we find out what was wrong with the IPA recipe we developed in Season 1.
5: There are a few confusing decisions that it looks like were made here. Your aroma hops were negligible in terms of amounts.
2: As always, we're making this podcast alongside the lovely folks at You Brew London, an open brewery where you brew the beer. Last week we brewed a quickly soured, mojito-inspired beer. Here's how it turned out.
5: The colour's beautiful, it's really light, um, carbonation's nice, it's got a really nice mouthfeel. It's, yeah, it's, it's a nice beer, guys. I'd like it to come in a more fancy vessel if possible. I think this would be awesome served with fresh mint as
1: well. Mm.
2: The point was to brew a beer that didn't taste like beer, and I think we successfully managed to achieve that. So all in all, it's a pretty good start to season two. This week we want to explore what makes a beer good and how to tell if what you're drinking is something special. And while we're talking about good beer, it seems only fitting that we right some of the wrongs of season one. Before we have a go at brewing and bettering our recipe, however, we need to get a handle on what exactly we did wrong the first time round. So we headed to U-Brew to talk through our original recipe with Tash.
1: So this is our recipe from last time. Does anything, I mean, I can hear you laughing. I can see you laughing. So what did we do wrong?
5: Can I just clarify that? Most of the recipes last season, I helped you guys with. This is the one that I didn't help you with. Um, Basically, we had a nice time in the sort of the dry store, and we
1: smelt things, and we were like, "This smells great. Can we use this?" And then uh, Matt was, was like, "Yeah, why not?"
5: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not an objectively bad recipe. There were there are a few kind of confusing decisions that it looks like were made here. I mean, to begin with, the malts were Marisotta, fine, caramel fine, Munich fine, um, quite a lot of dark crystal malt, which is a...
1: Well, first <laughs> of all, we really liked the name and then the second era, Lucy, I want to pass the microphone on due to shame. Uh, we, well, I don't know whose fault it was really, but we, we uh, very much uh, mismanaged the measurements and uh, went a bit OTT on the dark crystal malt. It does sound sexy though, it does sound like yeah. a... Sort of sexy stripper lady. I also like the phrase mismanaged the measurements. <laughs> We've still managed to dart around the fact that we didn't weigh it properly. <laughs>
5: um, yeah, no. So there were it was fine. It was a bit darker than it should have been to, to be an IPA. I just think the other issue was that we just didn't have enough hops, particularly when you're thinking about what is like popular and what people want. Your bittering hops were quite high, your aroma hops were negligible in terms of (laughs) amounts and your dry hop which is where you get the most of that really juicy um aroma was was really really small so we're going to tone back the bitterness a bit um what we're going to do is an american ipa we're going to use um big american hops cascade citrus centennial chinook um the kind of big seas as they're called and then also you get some kind of lesser known hops uh particularly um ones from australia and new zealand have really tropical kind of like um passion fruit mango and guava really like tropical fruit flavors so we're gonna um, try and use um a lot of those hops to give us that yeah that really that juicy tropical aroma
1: Sweet, that sounds really good. And then, at, at what point do you dry hop? Is it still five
5: days, like we did last time? Yep, still going to be five days. Um, the 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 time was right there. Just uh, <laughs> just so. Whereas you've put a 10 gram dry hop um so admittedly the the batch size that you guys brewed last time was it was about 20 liters i think we're looking at brewing about 35 40 liters this time just because we're scaling up a little bit we're kegging it all we're probably going to do a probably 250 to 400 gram dry hop that's
1: quite a difference isn't it (laughs) yeah Yeah. that's that's a lot more so exactly how much dry hop flavor do you think we got into our beer last time um i would say with 10
5: grams of dry hop, just. But you could have not done it. You know? <laughs>
2: <laughs> so there we go. It turns out that our original IPA recipe was a bit of a shocker. This time round, we're going to make some vast improvements. If you're a homebrewer or keen to learn, you can check out our full improved IPA recipe at wemadeabeer.co.uk. Keep listening to find out whether we managed to improve upon our first attempt. Now, so far, our approach to tasting has been a bit opinion based. We can drink a beer and tell you if we like it or don't, but explaining why we feel
1: the way we feel is tricky. We don't have the vocab and often find that we don't know what to look out for in a beer. So we met up with the Thinking Drinkers to get some advice on tasting beer a little more objectively. The Thinking Drinkers are made up of Ben McFarland and Tom Sandham. Ben is the triple crowned winner of the British Beer Writer of the Year Award and together they co-wrote the award-winning good beer guide West Coast USA. So basically, when it comes to booze... They know their shit. And we were hoping they could impart some of that wisdom onto us. We started by asking them to talk us through the thinking drinker mantra, drink less, drink better.
6: Uh, we're drinks experts and we've been writing and talking about it for the last 15 years and we, uh, we recognise trends in certain areas of people drinking excessively and not particularly well um, if this country has a drinks problem at all. is that people drink badly and we were talking to a lot of consumers with our comedy show, which is a, a tasting event. And we just felt that if you put good quality booze in front of people that you have to spend a bit more on, um, then you don't need to drink quite as much of it. You're not not inclined to if you spend a bit more on it because it's a bit more discerning. So you drink in a more responsible fashion. So we do it all in, in, on, on a stage uh, uh, invariably wearing our underpants, which seems <laughs> to make the message hit home. I have actually somewhat. seen
1: you both in yeah quite a, a small amount of clothing (laughs) (laughs) on on (laughs) stage (laughs) just to
6: clarify
1: (laughs) in real life or the show I haven't seen this so um, for the people who haven't had the benefit of seeing you in not very much um, Tom what happens at one of your shows so
6: um, well we've had three incarnations of it Um, this year um, we're writing a history of alcohol so in the show we give out five free drinks and then we'll go through the epic history of alcohol and how, how alcohol has influenced pretty much everything that's ever happened in human history incidents in politics and war and art people like Jesus pop in there Jesus turned water into beer not wine which not a lot of people know we'll tell you more about that if you come and see our show
2: (laughs) cool well um, we thought we'd uh, have a chat to you guys about
1: um, tasting beer and the budget on this show is such that it is one beer and a (laughs) tiny little taste each (laughs) drink
4: less drink better (laughs) yeah Yeah. there we go exactly
1: okay so the
2: first one we've got is Pressure Drops Cheeky Tropical Session IPA so this is at 3.8% Session
4: IPAs seem to be the thing at the moment don't they the IPA kind of hops arms race got to (laughs) such a point (laughs) the sort of people trying to brew IPAs with more and more hops you know doubling them imperialing them Mm -hmm. Um, (coughs) it seems to have got to a point where people are like okay let's bring it down now put your guns away
2: Um, and we'll go (laughs) for a bit
4: more more sessionable and also I think brewers have realised that you can only sell So many really hoppy beers because people have one and go, that was enough, thanks.
6: The smell is crucial. What do they say? Between 70 and 90% of what you taste comes through your sense of smell. Mm -hmm. So if you hold your nose, you're not going to taste anything. So we always smell.
4: Mm -hmm. (coughs) Apparently, if you stick your finger up your nose as far as it can go and then go even further, you can apparently touch what is technically part of your brain. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that part of your brain is related to your smell, obviously because it's in your nose (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, and that is very close to part of your brain which records memory which is why when you smell an old perfume or Mm -hmm. aftershave or anything that evokes a memory it's very very vivid Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and if you you hold your nose while you're tasting you will not taste anything Mm -hmm. Um, so uh, get your nose right in there there is a hell of a lot going on on the
6: nose very very fruity does it come through on the palate
4: hmm I don't. The the nose on that is much more potent than the palate, isn't it? it it's is. still very good.
6: I don't. Yeah, I like it. I like it in this glass. I'm not sure whether I
4: drink a pint of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then that, that, that is you don't yeah, need to drink, a, drink, pint need of to drink of every, a pint. I keep telling you this. Mm. Thing. <laughs> it's a very British Tom. disease we have. <laughs> no, never going, I like it. I can't drink a pint of it. <laughs> That's and right. you're like, you don't have to. <laughs> but I. I mean, we always say
6: you wouldn't pour a pint of a wine into a pint glass so mm-hmm. why do we do it with beer and we should be a bit more discerning with it but mm-hmm. there are some wines that I could drink a pint of <laughs>
1: sure.
6: and that's a beer I couldn't drink a pint of yeah. <laughs> so right
1: so <laughs> shall we move on to our next beer this one is <clears throat> Buxton Brewery Axe Edge 6.8%
4: that looked more like an IPA I, 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 well as certainly as if you give it a swirl effect. Effect. Yeah, it's got round the glass. You can tell it's got a bit more potency than the first one. Yeah, thicker head, and also it's clinging to the glass a little bit more.
2: And that means it's is that an indication of higher ABV. Sometimes it
4: should. Yeah, I mean it's in the spirits world, as in the drinks, not uh, the afterlife. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, the uh, <laughs> the legs you really do cling to the glass, but and it happens a bit with beer mm, um, and wine. It smells yeah. a lot of sort of greener, doesn't
6: it? There's mm-hmm. none of that tropical sweet fruit on the nose Mm. it's very grassy Mm.
1: Mm. yeah it is i find it funny when people talk about grassiness because generally i don't want to eat grass no funny but it does smell
4: like (laughs) grass grass is a nice smell isn't
1: it 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 is is. fresh yeah herbaceous herbaceous.
6: Yes, herbaceous (laughs) nice
4: race
1: race steak. that's (laughs) sort
4: of tasting is it (laughs) but if using a sort of lexicon of descriptors is quite good, and I know people think can think it's a bit pretentious, but and I, again, I wouldn't do it in a pub. Well, yeah. also, <laughs> yeah. it's only pretentious
6: but if you're finding things in there that really the the average person can't discover. It it's nice to have an, a bit of a basic set of words and smells that people can relate to. Mm -hmm. However, you know, that smells like uh, the apple cake that my grandmother used to make and it would waft out of the window while I I was playing in the garden chopping wood.
4: Yeah, come on. It (laughs) it smells of apples. It's fine. fine. (laughs) Um, So it's big hop aromas, big hop bitterness in there as well. Um, But it's got balance as as well. Uh, The Brewers' Art is all about balancing the sweetness of the malt with the bitterness of the hop and maybe the fruitiness of the yeast as well coming in
1: and it's a perfect beer going to showcase all three of those things
4: well then you're getting back into style i think different styles showcase different elements so yeah an ipa should have some bitterness in there a porter, um the mineral character of the water is very important and um I mean then you've got doppelbox and stuff and things like that that which are sweeter.
6: You can trade on all of those things. Yes. Yeah. You can put them at the forefront of your marketing messages and they can be the things that people really do taste first or that they really retain as a flavour profile. But I do still think you should, a really good quality beer, you should be able to talk about all of those things in there, even Mm -hmm. if they're very subtle. Mm -hmm. And that comes down to drinking a lot of beer and talking a lot about it, so not everyone's going to be able to taste everything in it. But if something really just dominates, uh, like a bitterness, then it's very difficult to appreciate it over a pint. (laughs) Uh, You have a mouthful and like the fact that, wow, that is interesting, but I don't want to drink any more Mm -hmm. of it. Mm -hmm. I think
4: the big criticism of the big IPAs, is that they're one-dimensional and they're quite easy to brew. You just throw loads of hops in and that disguises lots of different flaws. And I think where British brewers traditionally, and something we should be very proud of, is British brewers have been the best in the world historically at brewing beer at low gravity, low ABV, and brewing beers with balance that have the hop notes in there, the barley sweetness as well. And I think in this kind of new wave brewing we're at a risk of forgetting that those are the really good beers. and if you go to America now, they're desperately trying to to do that. And then you go on to the lager styles and if you're drinking Budweiser for instance, people would criticize that for being this big bad beer, but incredibly difficult to brew and they get it consistently right every single time and that might not and you might not like what they brew. But that, from a brewer's art point of view, that is very, very impressive.
2: Yeah, the balance is... There's nothing to hide behind with that one. Mm, Exactly. It's like
4: um, someone said... um, uh, I think Roger Ryman, who's a brewer at St. Hostel, said brewing a beer like that is like running down a beach with no clothes on. (laughs) Like, you are... You're showing all your flaws.
1: Yeah, it's <laughs> a lovely analogy. Yeah, yeah. Thank. <laughs>
4: He's a big guy.
1: Um, so back to this Buxton.
4: Well, I think it's doing that. It's, yeah.
6: it's got a level of fruitiness, which I'm assuming is coming from the yeast. It's got bitterness, which I'm assuming is coming from the hops. But it's got a body to it. It's not sweet and rich, but there you can tell that it's got some malt in there. And there's definitely some water because it's wet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so oh, the wa- The way they put water in that is amazing. Well, yeah. I mean, it <laughs> they've is really good got water. It's good of water, water isn't right, it? Good yeah. water. Uh, and the head's still there. I yeah, mean, that, there. Is, that still looks very appealing. So they've. Um, oh, it's a very well really brewed beer. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So is it really hard to get a low ABV like this pressure drop 3.8% one in that same bitterness with, those same, uh, with that same balance? Would it seem out of whack a little bit in some cases?
4: Well, I think the aroma was bigger than the. Palette wasn't it mm. in terms of the hop character. Um, so I think the low ABV is that's the challenge there.
1: But b- big flavor and ABV don't necessarily go hand in hand. Like
4: no, I, we did a double
6: IPA judging out in San Francisco when we were there. They had about a hundred. Double IPAs from around California. We were in a basement in a bar in San Francisco. It was like something out of pulp fiction. <laughs> it was pretty terrifying. Um, but we had two of these sort of eleven percent beers with double hopped, and he just thought, "Well, that's it. I can't taste yeah. anything else. We've <coughs> yeah. yeah. really overcooked it." And there were a lot of people looking seriously into their glass and looking very earnest and giving <laughs> marks. But we were just there was there, there was one guy it. who anything just here. there was
4: one guy. Bear in mind, this was a double IPA competition who. He just kept putting the nose into the glass and then closing his eyes and going, hmm, mm, quite hoppy.
2: <laughs> 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 can definitely get hops.
4: Yeah. You're like, is that, <laughs> where, that is? Is? <laughs> oh, I where Sherlock Holmes had gone to.
1: <laughs> um, shall we move on to our most boozy, 7.2%, the Kernel yeah. IPA ah, the kernel, yeah. with El Dorado. El Dorado is the hop, right?
6: Yes. And again, it looks very nice, doesn't it? It looks a lovely amber colour.
4: From what from what I understand with Colonel they have set styles, but he'll take a style and play around with different hops and whatever's available or if he discovers a new hop, he'll make that beer style with a different hop. So you're always gonna get something different. There's not that consistency, but it's a wonderful way of showcasing.
2: One what of my
6: favourite beers over the last few years has been their table beer. Oh
2: that's great. Because yeah. they
6: actually manage to do that, tick a lot of those flavour boxes, but with a very low ABV and I find with two kids under the age of three and a very serious lack of sleep that That's a good
4: I, way of getting them to go to
6: yeah, bed yeah. <laughs> Rub it on their gums and they're fine <laughs> No, uh, I do need a lower ABV drink now because I can't, I cannot handle a hangover in any way yeah. yeah, and no one should have to handle a hangover it's very irresponsible um, <laughs> but the ability to brew with those ingredients and deliver flavour across the board on, on any ABV Now this is not a table tableware
4: What was the ABV on this?
6: 7.2,
1: yeah. 7.2. Oh right, okay <laughs>
4: Okay, so I won't Bought be... Bought the big guns out yeah. Yeah. for the kids tomorrow morning. Actually, it doesn't drink like a 7.2.
1: So it looks
2: a bit deeper. What, does this, what do you think this one smells like in comparison to the It wasn't
4: one? quite as potent as them. One of my mates who's who's he's quite sceptical about the um, the sort of new wave of <laughs> beer scene <laughs> describes these IPAs just like drinking puri. Mm. Ah, and, uh, I can
1: understand.
4: I can understand why he's coming with that. And some of them have that aroma and he's like, it's just too much. And this is actually, he'd probably like this, because yeah. the mm. nose on its it doesn't no, feel yeah. like you're in a, a boots.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> I've, I've skipped ahead. I'm so sorry. I've already uh, had a big sip. <laughs> I think it's lovely. Mm. <laughs> mm. Yeah, it's really nicely mm. balanced, that. It's, mm.
2: got, it is. it's quite rich.
6: It's a lot richer than the mm. others, isn't it? And that does come across on the nose. I was going to say there's a sort of marmalade orange mm. on the nose, which is very different to what we've just been smelling on the
4: other two beers. And I'd say actually the, um, the the citrusy notes of the hop come through on the palate much more than the other mm. two, mm. even though you can't smell it. Weirdly, that's lovely. It's
6: not quite; it doesn't feel quite as carbonated as the Buxton, but I quite like that as well. I think the carbonation is something I s- associate with those American styles quite.
4: Well, they love they love a bubble over
6: there, <laughs> don't
1: they? <laughs> <laughs> they do. We've had three IPAs of three different volumes. Mm. All of them are classed as an IPA. So does this ability to sort of completely break rules make beer better because you can get so much more flavour or does it actually make it a little bit harder for a consumer to kind of get what they're going to expect when you order a pint of that beer?
4: Well, I think the styles are ridiculous now there's so many and they're always changing and mm-hmm. as we're tasting IPAs today there'll be sort of beer geeks maybe who are very very adamant that an authentic IPA has to be at a strength that would have withstood the journey in the 18th century mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. India but actually by the 1850s IPAs went back to being three four percent and so it's just as authentic IPA if it the first one we tasted so
6: I think it's a positive and a negative I think the story is beer isn't it and all this noise and all the confusion and conversation in the world around beer is positive because suddenly it's on the agenda and when we started out, I mean, the fact that Ben won three awards is evidence that, you know, there weren't many people. No one was about doing it.
2: That.
6: <laughs> <laughs> Tallest dwarf. I really was. <laughs> um, um, but it was, it was. they really, I mean, there's Michael Jackson and um, Roger Protz, and there they were people doing it. But now, how many? I mean, you, you're making podcasts. It's, it's really great. And if there's confusion, that's
4: brilliant because it just means we have to talk about it some more. So that's sure. good. Mm-hmm. um Roughly, even though there was a different strength, the basic core flavour profiles are quite similar, mm-hmm. aren't they? They're quite fragrant, floral, fruity, with a bit of bitterness in there. But equally,
6: there are people who are really into beer, and buy those three beers, have them with cheese after dinner, do, do a tasting, and you mm-hmm. you can talk about that, and the fact that they're all
4: so different is is intriguing. Also, I don't think we should worry too much about it. You can drink some of the best beers in the world. Um, for for very reasonable prices. I mean, people complain about the cost of beer all the time. And the more you pay for it, the more the brewers are going to get the better beer they make.
0: Mm.
1: So if people want to drink less and drink better, what are your tips?
6: Um, go to... yeah, I don't less, is, <laughs> How do you drink less? Learn than more that? about yes. what you're drinking just by learning a bit more about it, the ingredients that are used, the provenance, the passion that's gone into it. Invariably, you find that the products that have got more of those stories attached to them, people who care about it, brewers that really care about their job. Those products cost more and
4: taste better. And also, I think the best way to taste a beer is to go to the place where it's brewed. A, get it fresh, but B, C... The the sort of cultural context in which it's brewed, and I'm never going to
6: forget drinking Sierra Nevada
4: in Chico, and Chico
6: still stands out as one of the great cities of the towns (laughs) of the world.
2: (laughs) Do you think there's sort of specific places that are kind of like we are going to do beer? You know, this is a beer bar, and we sell a few spirits back there. But are they the best places to go and like try loads of different stuff and ask people? Because generally, their staff are likely to be a bit more passionate about it.
4: I like beer bars, like the Brewdog bars are. Are great in terms of their range um, and the staff are knowledgeable and they seem to be trained up very well. But I think there's something about the monoculture of any of these things mm-hmm. that uh, well, can put some people off. Mm. I think whilst we're in a podcast and we're talking about beer, mm-hmm. it seems a bit strange to say don't get too much into it because um I mean this <laughs> is this that. is where the tasting comes in. We're, like we've done lots of tastings and judged the beer awards and stuff, and we've kind of stopped doing it because sitting in a room for a whole day, sniffing and smelling and writing things down and saying things like hoppy or malty, that's not what beer is about, really. Yeah. It's about being in a pub or being with your mates. And I still think you should analyse beer in, in a way that deserves the same kind of reverence as wine or indeed whiskey or spir- mm, any other spirits. Mm. But I think there's a tendency at the moment for one-upmanship amongst quite
6: a yeah, lot of people. Yeah,
1: and it can you make know. it intimidating oh, if you're But
6: also what you find is that it becomes a, club and people like the fact that they know more than the consumer and that's when it gets really dangerous because you forget what the consumer actually knows and cares about um and there is a danger that beer will go down that road and it and it's happened in the spirits world we've seen it with whiskey and whiskey is turning itself around now trying to be a bit more open um
4: i don't think people are monogamous in their
6: drinking no no, no, yeah
4: and if you are there's something strange going on i tell you the good thing the good thing to do is if you find yourself being kind of intimidated by someone asking you whether you've had this beer or whether you get this uh, flavour in the beer. or um, The best one is to suggest a beer that doesn't exist at all.
2: <laughs> Do you have a good one, a good sort of... <laughs> uh,
4: the one we did in... Um, Don't go
6: there, Ben. <laughs> we, did, we got <laughs> interviewed on the news in San Diego and we started making brewery names up <laughs> <laughs> that there were, there were taken uh, from Viz
4: magazines, yeah. Profanosaurus. But you'll know, whatever you say, that other person will go, Yes, I have. Mm-hmm. Yes, oh, I have. I, feel, I think there's things. too much diacetyl in their <laughs> Uh And then you know that they're talking nonsense. <laughs> nice.
1: I think the other thing for me is it's important to remember that it's always subjective. Like it's so, you can see someone on Instagram or Twitter being like, this is a great beer, and sometimes I'll have this beer and I'm like, actually, I, I, it's not for me, no, I don't really mm, like no. it, but it doesn't make it a bad beer.
4: Mm, no, no, that's very important as well. Don't, listen, don't be influenced by other people. Unless, of course, <laughs> it's the thing it read, read books, yeah, read our books, because <laughs> they're the ones that you should listen
1: to. They're the right <laughs> <Yeah>. answers. <laughs> don't talk to
4: other people,
2: I don't yep.
1: really like (laughs) big thanks to the thinking drinkers for their top tasting tips they've given us some good guidelines that we're going to put into practice as the season progresses if you want to see the thinking drinkers in action you can catch them at the edinburgh fringe from the 3rd of august to the 26th of august or on their uk tour visit thinkingdrinkers.com to find out where they're off to we're keeping an eye out for the launch of their podcast it's the drink talking coming soon after the break we trundle off to the peak district to visit thornbridge brewery (laughs) we made a beer is brought to you by well just us actually it's produced presented and funded by our good selves this season though we're working alongside honest brew our favorite online beer service to make the beers we talk about in this show more accessible to you we use honest brew to get brewery fresh craft beer delivered directly to our door so we've always got some tasty drinks chilling in the fridge We've partnered with Honest Brew for a limited time to offer you a fantastic mix case. The We Made a Beer case contains 12 great beers that have been either brewed or recommended to us by Season 2's podcast guests, or that have just inspired this series. And if that wasn't enough of a treat, we can get you a whopping £10 off your first order using the coupon code We Made a Beer. Use it to get the We Made a Beer box or to just expand your beer tasting horizons. To recap, go to honestbrew.co.uk. Spend over £30 and use the code WEMADEABEER at checkout for £10 off. Check out the episode description in your podcast
0: player for the full T's and C's. Happy drinking! Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Geeky Palmer.
2: So it was a tricky task to choose a single brewery to accompany our what-is-good-beer theme. But after much deliberation, we chose to speak to Thornbridge Brewery. They consistently produce exceptional beer, and most recently they won both gold and silver at the World Beer Cup, the most prestigious beer competition in the world. They've managed to get the balance right between being a consistent, reliable brewery who smash out great traditional beers while remaining at the forefront of experimental brewing and barrel ageing. We caught up with head brewer Rob Lovett and Chief Operating Officer Simon Walkden to chat about their success.
1: Last season, we spoke to the now recently crowned Beer Writer of the Year, Pete Brown, who told us that we had to get our hands on a beer called Serpent. This fantastic beer was the product of a collaboration between Thornbridge Brewery and Garrett Oliver, brewmaster at Brooklyn Brewery. We asked Rob to talk us through how Serpent came about.
2: (laughs)
3: I'm not a massive fan of collaborations because what tends to happen is it's just there's not enough input from one party, and uh, you know it just says it's collaboration, but one brewer tends to have done most of the work. So with this one, w- when we said that we wanted to do a collaboration, we really wanted for us all to have a, a big input, and it's something that we we're both proud of. And uh, he had this idea of using lees from wine fermentations and adding them to a beer. What
1: what's a lees? Sorry, so it's,
3: it's the bottom of the fermentation, really. So it's all the the, the yeast from the end of the fermentations that she uh, so he'd done this previously with with wine lees and a beer and he wanted to try it with cider so we found a natural cider producer in this country that didn't add yeast he just used the natural yeast in his environment and on the apples and he sent us the lees every time he emptied a vessel and then we brewed this beer and added it to bourbon barrels and then we put the cider lees into the barrels um, and then we let it mature so the bacteria and the yeast from the cider lees then interacted with the beer and gave us a completely unique flavour. So there's the bourbon from the barrel, the cider lees and the beer itself. And it sort of just changed over the two years that we were maturing it in barrel.
1: How important is it to you to tick the box in terms of the traditional and make sure that you're really competitive in that market and make sure you're really consistent, but also be doing like these really interesting things. Like right now we're sitting in this room full of oak barrels. How important is it for you to tick both boxes? Because I think that's quite unique at the moment
3: yeah certainly I think that's what the customer demands at the moment the customer wants new beers It wants the customer wants interest in beers uh, you can't rest on your laurels really and if you you know we could get by just producing Jaipur like we always did but I think people would lose interest in, in what we're doing um, and also we love it you know making new beers all the time it's fantastic for the brewers and it keeps them motivated and I think they'd get bored if they were just making Jaipur every day
7: I <laughs> think cool. also you know craft has gone into the mainstream you look at the supermarkets now you know we're finding a lot more opportunity in the supermarkets. We originally dealt with just Waitrose and then into M&S and now we're into Tesco and soon Asda and Morrison's. Uh, I heard a stat yesterday that one in four, one in five bottles of beer uh, now bought is a craft beer, which is which is quite massive when you think 10 years ago the, the, the genre probably didn't even exist. So we see different groups of, of, of drinkers, your traditional cask beer drinkers and we want to, um, you know, produce good quality beer for them your supermarket buyers who are not going to be into your more extreme styles let's say um and then there's the the, the craft market and there is over time crossing over between those and we want to because we can and as rob said it keeps the brewers interested and exciting We, we want to keep doing that and give give the customer what they want whichever that customer may be
1: so a question for you probably simon is how hard is it to get a consumer to recognize that serpent isn't the same sort of beer as Jaipur Like you're not gonna, you've had a hectic night at work and you don't go home and crack open a bottle of Serpent. It's more of like a, it's more of a wine, I'd say. Like it's a sharing sort of beer. And from a price point perspective, obviously that's much higher. So how hard or how easy is it to get a consumer used to this sort of new way of consuming beer?
7: It's an interesting question. I think I think people are used to spending more on beer now than they than, than they ever have. You know, even even just some basic styles of beer in the craft beer shops, you could be paying four or five pounds for a a 330 ml bottle. We didn't really have a problem with Serpent because um, the complexity of the beer who we were doing the beer with the limited release 10,000 bottles went to the US to Brooklyn 10,000 bottles stayed with us so even though it, we still have it available it's not so difficult and with the sours that we've done since then because we won gold and silver at the beer World Cup again these beers are in high demand and we're producing them in low volume because of the nature of the uh, of the beer so if we were producing you know 200 hectolitres of, of that particular beer it would be a, a greater challenge but i think people are prepared to spend money on something that's a little bit
3: unusual
2: mm-hmm. those uh, awards that you want the beer world cup um what do you think the the judges are kind of really looking for at those kind of competitions
3: um, yeah i mean i've judged at the beer world cups well i'm 40 now and i think my first beer world cup i went when i was 22 or something and and what amazed me when i first went there is the quality of the of the judges i mean you you're rubbing shoulders with you know head brewers of you know the established american us brewers you know and that's what i think that's what lets us down in this country a lot of the time with judging is that any tom dick and harry can be judging and you know unfortunately i think the professionals need to be judging the beers cuz although you know the layman on the street can appreciate what he likes. He can't necessarily articulate faults or, or what he's tasting or why it's tasting that way. And he, he probably doesn't understand styles as strictly as a, as a brewer that's, you know, a professional brewer. So to win that competition for us was really important because we knew that um, it was being judged by the best and we were up against some real stiff competition.
1: From a financial perspective is it kind of scary to make that decision to no longer just do your cask and your keg stuff and have a facility like this full of um aging barrels
3: it's just a, it's just a d- different product that we've got to treat differently it's, we're going to charge more for it it's going to be more labor attached to it so it's just another string to our bow really i think 25 mm. percent of the beer we produce now is is, is cask beer yeah. so you know, we're we're not trying
7: to we're not trying to change the world um, purely with a financial head on. Selling Jaipur alone would probably make more sense, but it wouldn't be as interesting. It wouldn't keep us as respected as we are in the marketplace, and it wouldn't keep our brewers and all the rest of our staff as, as, as engaged as they are in the business. And you only get better when people are engaged. So we're not, we're not driven, even though I'm I head up the finance side of the business. We're not driven by the finances. We need to make money, but that's not what we come in in the morning with the sole purpose of doing if we wanted to we would cut back on a lot of the ingredients that rob uses we wouldn't be doing these sort of things so you know that's not what we want to be there's other other people doing that and they do that very well
2: um so we're in this kind of big room full of uh, barrels here and there's quite a lot of different stuff going on here what are the projects that you're most excited about currently that are happening in this room
3: well the two the main two main products here are the, the beers the, one at the beer world cup the gold and silver days of creation and love amongst the ruins. It's a brown ale where we had three strains of brettanomyces, uh, lactobacillus, Pediococcus, and uh, one of them we had raspberries and one we had ch- dried cherries too. And then we just sit there and let it do its thing. And that, 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 so that's the main, beer we've got here and that's the beer that I really want to concentrate on because yeah. I think it was the third iteration of that beer that, that that won but it's developing and we just want to make sure that we're consistent with it so I don't want to be distracted by marketeers saying Oh, we need to do this, do that, do that, you know this is the beer that won won the medal. Um, so I want to make sure that we perfect that but we have got other side projects there's like a a Gooseberry one we do Um, but I think on the kettle sows is probably where we're going to play around a little bit more rather than fill this up with barrels of all sorts of different things that we don't know how are going to work out
1: in terms of the kettling i think that's quite interesting i read an article that um, tesco's have got a range of sours coming in and you guys have got one called tart that's going in there um is it important for you to brew a sour beer on a scale that you can which means people in tesco's Mm -hmm. and people in supermarkets can get it
3: yeah i think this the kettle sour sometimes it gets a bit of flack from certain certain individuals saying oh it's lazy man sour but I think if you accept it for what it is, and the fact that it's you know people are not going to charge a lot for it because it doesn't really take us any much more time than it does for a normal beer, it, it's a great product, and there's different variations. Like I mean, next week we're doing a, a simple sour with blueberries and passion fruit so it is a good stepping stone for people to get into sour beers and I think sour beers are definitely here to stay uh, there's not sort of like a, a style that's going to fall out of fashion so I, I do think it's important that we do that style because there's, there's demand for it
1: mm-hmm. are you guys the first UK producer to be sending a sour beer to a supermarket in such a scale um,
7: well, certainly in Tesco, we're the only that they they selected Tart as their only sour beer, so that they're not looking at the moment to put anyone else in. I think the great thing about it is by using the supermarkets it makes the product more accessible and speaking to a couple of uh, craft bottle shop owners recently uh, rather than them being worried that more of our products are going into supermarkets is actually opening doors because they're now getting customers coming in I've had that sour I want to try I want to expand into something a little bit more exciting or to see what other sours there are available so I think it can work through that uh, through the different outlets to people and just give people the opportunity to get a good beer we're not stuffy about where people buy the beer, the the quality will always be the the, the same and always be as good. We haven't cut corners to get beer into the big supermarkets. What we want to do is get good beer to to everyone.
2: Loved speaking to the Thornbridge guys. Such a lovely location too. At the beginning of this episode, we attempted to better the IPA we first tried to conquer in season one. Here's how it turned out.
1: (laughs) So this is a 5.5% better IPA than the one we made last time. Um, I think it's just
5: Only nice. 5.5% better, really.
1: <laughs> I like to put everything on a scale. <laughs> no, no. 5.5% in strength. Um, yeah, no, I think it looks really nice. It's quite bitter. It's pretty, I guess that's just the IPA
5: style, though, isn't it's it? It's pretty bitter. Yeah, the, the you can you can smell the hops on the nose. Not maybe not as much as we might want. I think if we were to rebrew this, we would um, yeah bump those aroma hops a little bit. Definitely tastes already a lot more like a, an IPA that I would want to drink yeah. it is
2: kind of bitter and that'd be, but it, that's what I was expecting and it's a lot less bitter and the bitterness is kind of much more
1: integrated into the beer this time than it was last time mm-hmm. So the thing that we've learnt loads um, in this episode is is how beer is all about balance mm-hmm. and the obvious thing that was wrong with the last beer was mm-hmm. that it really just was bitter like you didn't get anything else from it in fact even on the nose you didn't really get anything so I guess in terms of trying to make a better beer compared to that one we've definitely done that in that there is balance here that you can taste more than just one element to it mm-hmm.
2: yeah there's more body to it this time as well it feels like
1: okay. um so I guess for you an IPA is a bit of a boring beer because you like the more fancy ones with exciting
5: weirdo ingredients no 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 an IPA is not boring it's definitely it's often my my beer of choice like most people who who like beer and craft beer um, and it's, it is actually despite it being a like a common and, and allegedly simple style it is one of the hardest to brew really well so very, very true to style, juicy American IPA is, is a tricky one to, to handle that balance of bitterness and aroma. And so I think we've gotten, we've gotten close with this one. Like I said, it could do with a little bit more aroma. I guess it just depends on your taste. So, you know, American IPAs 10 years ago were incredibly, incredibly bitter. And it's now more and more that that bitterness is being replaced by really like juicy hop aroma. So it really depends what kind of style of, of IPA you're going for. But I think what we've done is we've made a nice, fairly bitter, pretty aromatic IPA. Nice colour, nice mouthfeel, yeah. The actual hop itself that we've used is much more fragrant, I think, this time around as well, which is really nice. Yeah, well, what we did was, uh, rather than using a single hop like we did last time, is we used a, a combination, so we've got, like, a bit more complexity in there, a bit more, like, diversity of flavour, so I think that that's helps with the balance as well, rather than there being kind of one dominant flavour mm. and bitterness and then nothing else. Mm.
1: Um, so I'm going to ask you a question, and I'm a bit worried that we peaked too early in the previous episode. but would you be happy to have your name attached
5: to this beer and to serve it in new brew to general punters? um as it is i would I think we would serve it as an alpha batch beer, so we would serve it as a kind of work in progress beer. I think all this needs is a rebrew with like we said, a little less bitterness, a little more aroma, and i would I will put my name to this. I think it's good that they're not all fantastic. It would make for a, for a pretty boring review, right? Just like with humans,
1: there's lots of different people, and some of them are boring. <laughs> and they have their own place in society <laughs> <don't> too. <they? laughs> well, it's not a total success story, but at least we're getting better. Though it would have taken quite some skill to be as bad as the first time we attempted it. Thanks to Tash for pointing us along a better path. If you want to try our improved IPA, it will be on the taps at You Brew Bermondsey this weekend. If you do manage to taste our improved IPA, let us know your thoughts by getting in touch on Twitter or Instagram at WeMadeABeer. It's worth adding that we're not brewing beer to try and become a brewery here. We just wanted to learn more about beer. And what better way to learn than by getting your hands dirty. If you fancy having a go at brewing your own beer, you can. You Brew are offering We Made A Beer podcast listeners 20% off brew courses with the code WMAB20 as in We Made A Beer 20. Next week, we try to get our heads around cask beer, something we've not yet really explored on this podcast. We met up with Bradley Cummings, co-founder of Tiny Rebel, and Katie Wiles, communications manager at Camera. Before we go, here's just one more reminder that we've partnered up with HonestBrew.co.uk to help you get your hands on some of the beers mentioned in this podcast. Use the code WEMADEABEER at checkout to get £10 off your first beer order. If you like this podcast, please do leave us a review and share us with your friends.
2: Reviewing the episodes really helps us to move up the charts in your podcast player and makes us more visible to more people. So, if your mates are booze hounds or even just general foodies, please do spread the word. Thanks for listening and don't forget to subscribe. Bye! Bye!